What's happening, everyone? Welcome back. Give him Liam. Back for another week. This week we've got Lydia checking back in with us, all the way from London. Decided to just throw around, uh, talk about some key sort of sports headlines. Please note, though, we didn't record this. You'll, you'll hear it Saturday. We recorded this Monday morning. So, missed Ash Barty's retirement, uh, you know, which is a massive, massive news story, uh, which is a bit of a shame. So, shouts to Ash, you know, 25 years old, giving it up, you know, ready to, to take on the next challenge. And it's it's really interesting. There's a bit of research out there um, that sort of suggests, you know, key one of the key differences between male and female athletes is is what motivates them. So males tend to be outcome-focused, I guess. So, you know, pursuit of the outcome, right? So for Tom Brady, that's Super Bowls. You know, Michael Jordan, that was championships. LeBron, you know, it's probably right now, you know, breaking the scoring record or whatever. Female athletes tend to be more interested in the journey and the and the people and 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 that and that kind of thing. So if you think about, you know, Ash at the top of her at the top of her sport, does she really have anything left to achieve? Like, she she clearly feels like she's at the end of that journey, which sucks for us. <laughs> but um, you know, you you have to respect that, and and yeah, I think. You know, kudos to you. You know, you, you're 25 years old. You've achieved so much already. I, I you know, I can't wait to see what happens. Uh, you know, over the next five to ten years, I think you got, you know, so much. There's so much possibility, whether it's in sport, whether it's in media, you know, any of that. You know, I think you're going to do uh, some really, really amazing things. So, shouts to you, Ash. Got to shout out the Cover Park, <laughs> Cover Path, Cover Podcast Network. You might have seen, you might not have seen recently a new edition, the Fifth and Dribble podcast, who are a hybrid NRL and basketball podcast. So check them out. They've got some hot takes, some spicy takes. Uh, head over to the website, www.thecover.com.au. There's stuff going up every day. I can't keep track. So check it out. Make sure you subscribe to the newsletter. Make sure you subscribe to our podcasts, YouTube channel, all of that. You can find us everywhere. So make sure you at least subscribe and do that. I, I won't hold you up any longer. Uh, stay tuned for my conversation with Lydia Williams. Lydia, thanks for uh, checking in with us again. How are you? How's things? Oh, I mean, life is kind of like normal again a little bit over here. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Has the has the um, you know, the conflict in Russia had much of an impact on on you guys at all? Uh, not directly. Obviously, there's like a few girls that um would be playing Russia and um have them in their Euro qualifiers and and stuff like that. Uh, I think even a few might have been like playing against like R- Romania or like Ukraine. Yeah. Um so like their fixtures, I don't even, I'm not sure what's happening with them, but directly like in England, um, yeah, nothing really for us. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. I'm glad that, um, you know, you guys are able to go about your, 
your job normally and and that things are, are sort of starting to to return to some some semblance of somewhat somewhat normal <laughs> <laughs> i guess at the top of the show you know we should really talk about you know we're we're living in a different world and a lot's happened in in the last 4 weeks since we last spoke you know Shane Warne um passing away was sort of one thing that it hit me pretty hard you know i didn't know Shane um but and i sort of wrote a column about this on the on the cover website it i i felt like i knew him you know it's, he he was such mm-hmm. a constant figure in my life you know my dad and i would go down to the boxing day test every year and you know we always got to watch him you know, he was always on the TV. He always seemed like such a accessible star. Um, and, you know, he was kind of just like an average guy with, with just this incredible yeah, just talent. Yeah, a normal Aussie bloke, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I got the alert in the middle of the night. My son was crying, so I got up and I saw the, I sort of saw the alert and I dismissed it because the day before Rod Marsh had passed away. And I thought, yeah, I already know Rod Marsh has passed away. So I put my phone down. And then when I woke up in the morning, I had all these text messages. And, um, uh, yeah, all, all these people saying Shane Warner died. And, I, and even then I was like, no, Rod Marsh died, guys. And then, yeah, just, yeah, it was, it just hit me hard. I can't really explain why. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's like all of us, like, but backyard cricket is yeah. like, you'd be like, oh, I'm Warney and I'm going to do, you know, the flipper and like <laughs> spin it. He's the only spin bowler that anyone ever knew. Yeah. Um, like that and like then Brett Lee, like that would be your two, yeah, the you two know, who you're going to emulate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's crazy. Like, I think we were like getting ready for training um, and all rocked up at the club and we're like, is this real? Like on Twitter? And then. Yeah, it's just insane. Like, you can't believe it. Yeah, because isn't that funny? You know, you, you get these notifications and you get Twitter and you still kind of question question the validity. Yeah. Because it's just the world we live in. But, yeah, it, as you say, like, you know, and that's an example. He was that person to, you know, hundreds of thousands, probably millions of, of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so to lose someone like that who, you know, was really – it seemed like he was really – about to start his second act and really, you know, enjoy life, spend time with his family. You know, he was doing his cricket commentary and, and that sort of thing. So it seemed like he was setting himself up for the second act and to to have that sort of stripped away so quickly and so suddenly is just, you know, so oh, sad. Yeah. Just, I mean, even like not being in Australia, just like, yeah, you know, you're like, is this real? Like, how is this happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, the, and then the flow on like, you know, I hope this never happens, but, you know, you know, bringing him home, I, I assume that's, one, an expensive and, two, a, a very difficult um, very difficult thing to do just from a, you know, a bureaucracy standpoint to bring mm-hmm. someone back from a, a foreign country and, you know, to have to have his family have to go through that and go do that, you know, it's just, it, it just yeah, adds... It's heartbreaking. In, yeah, it's just, yeah, very tough, very tough. Anyway... Um, yeah. <laughs> maybe move on, move on to, to, to some relatively good news. You know, we've seen the US, US uh, national women's team or US women's national team, sorry, sort of come up trumps in their lawsuit against um, the USA Football Federation. Um, you know, what, what's sort of your take on, on that and, and how that sort of progressed and and you know where where they sort of stand now noting that there's some work still to do to get 
to get a, a really good outcome? Oh, I mean, like, knowing quite a few of them um, played against them and with them um, throughout, like, so many years. I mean, they've won, you know, World Cups. They've brought in so many, you know, sellout tickets to games and, you know, people want to watch them. They have their own clinics. They're, they're well-known in America, well-known worldwide and in, like, women's football. Um, you know, even like going to the ESPYs and, and that stuff, you know, they're, they're well known in sport. And then to finally kind of get the result that, you know, they're going to get compensated um, for, for the win. And then now moving forward, it will be, you know, the pace split equal with the men and the women and, you know, the revenue and everything. It's just really exciting. I know it's been like, I think, gosh, like four, four or five years that they've been fighting it and you know that that can't be easy with all you know the the lawyers you bring in the fees that you pay the kind of loopholes you have to go through um yet while still being an athlete and you know trying to keep your day job basically um yeah it's just crazy and then like to do it on the back um or i guess at the beginning before they start their season again um in america i think you know it was all just kind of like a, a knock-on flow effect that yeah everything worked out for them yeah. and so, i you yeah. know I, I think the other thing is you know you know uh, megan rapineau and alex morgan and, and th those players got dragged through the media and through the social media comment section you know because they were the you know they were the advocates for for this and and they were really you know pushing pushing the agenda because it was it was right like they they are so famous. They bring in so much revenue yeah. to U.S. soccer. They bring in so much profile to to U.S. football, and you know, by the sounds of it, and and sort of studying up on on the main points of of or, or the main points of contention, like they were getting screwed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, I mean, like just even hearing like the stuff that they've gone through, like even before this. Yeah. Um, like I've had the privilege to kind of listen to a couple older US players, and they used to go to games in like hotel shuttle buses. So, like, <laughs> I mean, they've done it hard as well. And then, like, you know, slowly but surely it's kind of come bigger and better. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's not like they've just gone and been like, oh, we want this. It's they've had to actually do the hard yards as well. Yeah. And I, I think that from, from yeah. what I can see, they've, they've gone through, they've done their research and gone, well, you know, our program makes you you guys about a million dollars. The men's program costs you more than a million dollars. You know, we're we're going to you know the men are flying to 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 their fixtures in charter planes. We're sitting at the back in the economy section. You know, they're getting X amount, you know, more of the revenue split than we are. The bonuses are bigger. Mm -hmm. so, you know, like it, it's like as I was reading through it, I couldn't believe how big the discrepancy was. You know, and I know that. Say the world, the World Cup one stood out to me the most. So the if the if the U.S. men's team were to win the World Cup, they'd make four hundred thousand dollars. The women got sort of sorry four hundred thousand dollars for each player. The women got a hundred grand each. And yeah. I know that part of that is is a FIFA problem, and that there's there's obvious work to do there. But to me, that is just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Like, it's honestly the like such a big discrepancy. Yeah. Um, and they won it twice. Yeah. <laughs> in, in like back to back. So yeah. you know, it's yeah, they've they've I guess put their money where their mouth is. I mean, 
you know, the I think it's what the one the four World Cups now or something like Yeah, that. There's I think four that's right. four stars on their jersey. So Yeah. um yeah, just getting that over the line, I think it's just been kind of on the back burner for so long now and then Mm. just kind of like out of nowhere it came as well. It was like, Oh yeah, now that's it's been It's sorted. signed off on. Like Yeah. it yeah, it's like when when did this happen? <laughs> yeah. And look, you know, I, I have to give a bit of credit to their to the U.S. football, I, I, what what they called nationally, but U.S. football. I, um, I have to give a bit of credit to their president because it it was her agenda to really push push this through and get this done and make sure that you know that they had they had this solved and they had this sorted so that. so that they could get into the next season and, and just play. So I, I do have to give a little bit of credit where credit is due for, for pushing that and getting that done. But, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't mean we forget about the last 30 or 40 years of, of, Oh, um, yeah. of tough times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's exciting. It's, you know, yeah. women's sports just coming to the front again. So, it's you know, it's, it's exciting. Yeah, and, you know, you, you've sort of been through this with, with the Matildas too. In I think back in 2019, you guys did your... deal didn't you Mm-hmm. yeah Yep. um you know which yeah you know, i appreciate again it's not perfect but again it was a, a huge step in the right in the right direction and and now we've got you know arguably or probably not arguably the most high profile you know women's team um globally now you know now they're on that level i think that sends a clear message to the rest of the the football world saying hey you guys need to sort your shit out too Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, that, I guess, filters down to club teams as well. When you just see so many clubs now, like, pumping money into the women's program and then, like, from that, like, academy program to help build, like, the men again. So it's kind of like you help the women and it helps the younger players Mm. and the younger boys. And it's kind of like, you know, you have to kind of start there to, to build, you know, the most high profile, which usually is, like, the men's team at, at clubs. Yeah, and and you know it, it's a good point you raise in if you you know you want to build sustained success you need to build at that you know that underpinning level the academy level and 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 under that and it see it seems to be that if you invest as you just noted if you invest in the women's portion of that it actually tends to have a flow on where it helps the 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 boys side as well and then you have this really nice um you know equity and parity across the two programs and 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 usually if you get that level right it 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 um The, the outcome is sustained long-term success. Mhm. Mm yeah, definitely. Yeah. I guess the other, the other big news uh, in, the, in the women's space, uh, in Australia anyway, is that the NRLW sort of just announced they're effectively going, yeah, we're, we're going to be a professional, a professional competition now, which is, which is a huge win. Um, it, and it also means that, you know, three of the four footy codes in, in football... AFL and and rugby league now in the women's space are professional or or at least you know seventy five percent professional, which is really good. So you know the the big ones for me is that they're going to expand over the next two years to to ten teams. So they're at six at the moment. They'll go to eight next year and then ten the following year, and then the pay goes up from a minimum contract of eight grand to ten grand. two marquee contracts so you can contract them full time and then their private health is all going to get paid for which i think is Oh, this is so good, yeah honestly. Like, it's so exciting. yeah Uh, I mean, you know, I guess rugby and, um, you know, AFL, league, union, they've all been around for so long in mm. the men's space. To, but to kind of see this, like, 
massive influx over the last like couple of years to be like we're going to build the women's game and all of a sudden it's like we will like at least start it and then we'll see like what the cracks are and then we need to know what we can build on and how we do it and yeah i think it's really cool that they're trying to like make it sustainable not just like we'll chuck we'll put the like you know eight teams now um yeah 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 they're literally like you know let's yeah make it professional let's like build like the the culture and yeah i think that's really exciting yeah yeah and it, it it's i'm really envious because I, I i you know <laughs> <laughs> because you i want to, you want to go back to be happy about <laughs> yourself <laughs> just because it, like they nrl and nafl as well they they seem to have done it the right way they've they've gone okay you know we know that we can in this first year we can sustain in in the NRL's case we can we can sustain four teams we know that that's the that's the number and we can make sure that it's professional enough you know we'll look after these players we'll make sure they have have enough resources and and that it's not going to be you know no, noting that the commitment is only you know 8 weeks so it's not going Mhm. Yeah. be a huge commitment for them we'll compensate them for that so they can you know no noting that the commitment is only eight weeks so it's not going to be a huge commitment for them we'll compensate them for that so they can you know take leave without pay or whatever they need to do and they'll look after these players we'll make sure
rugby is going to be able to hopefully entice a lot of international people, mm. which then in turn can then help maybe their league yeah. to get off the ground and, and kind of like create this, you know, I guess worldwide, you know, competition that, that women can be a part of and actually be professional. Yeah. And, and, you know, the visibility piece is huge. Just, just the fact that now, you know, young girls can turn on the TV and they can see some of their favorite players playing in the W League or the A League women now. Um, they can oh yeah, see, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, you know they can see, and, and 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 even you know in the media now too. You know, there's there's so many women represented on TV now. You know, even five years ago, the only one I could really think of off the top of my head was Aaron Mullen. You know, doing oh doing yeah an NRL coverage. You know, now you've got Ros Kelly, you've got Alana Ferguson, you've got all these women. Who are doing a really, really fantastic job, you know, broadcasting, com- you know, providing really good commentary, providing really good analysis for their sports. So, you know, just the fact that we that we have that now, and and I always think of my sister. You know, my sister growing up, she was a, a brilliant athlete and sort of got pigeonholed as a netball athlete because that was all that was mm-hmm. kind of available for her, and that was all she got to see on TV. And I think you know now, you know, if if I'm lucky enough to have a daughter, she's going to have all of this, you know, all of this, all the same sort of visibility. Oh, yeah, that I you're going to have to, like, fight her for <laughs> which sport she actually wants to play. They're like, which one do you like the most? Choose <laughs> from. <laughs> and, but, and, and, but it, you know, it's, it's such a, you know, for, for me, so as someone who sort of values, um, you know, values commentary and values, you know, an ability to write and, and break down footage and, and, and present that in a, in a way that's pretty, um, you know, pretty easy to digest for the for the casual fan. You know, I see particularly in the rugby broadcast the women who come in. You know, Lana Ferguson, um, Sarah Naguamo is another good example. They provide. You know, they come so prepared because I think. Mm-hmm. You know, I think. I think they feel like they need to. It, it frustrates me sometimes in the rugby broadcast. You know, Morgan Turanui and 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 Drew Mitchell are ex players, um, and they they kind of. They kind of fly by the seat of their pants in a way. <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, and you can hear it's less polished, it's less, it's it, it's less prepared, it's more ad hoc. Whereas you listen to 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 Sarah Naguama in particular, and she really breaks it down. She really talks about, you know, she really talks about some of the the you know maybe more nuanced details um, and. And presents it in a way that if I'm, a, you know, it, it makes sense to me because I'm a rugby guy, but but also for my partner who doesn't understand some of the nuances of the game, even she's starting to pick up on them because they're mm-hmm. they're broken down in a way that's that's very easy for her to understand. Um, you know, which is why it's sort of disappointing um, to sort of see that story that came out this week about you know Tom Morris and and some of the comments he made about about a female colleague. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's really, it's just disappointing to see that. You know, someone who is a senior journalist is supposed to be a role model, is you know, is clearly not a great guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all all that stuff, I guess, is, I guess, you just have to be so careful now. Yeah. Um, what people hear, what people know, and you know, comments, even if it's you know, I don't even know, in private or whatever. Mm. It's just, yeah, it, 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 the world is just ready to, you know, it's so sensitive now. Mm. 
and people have rights who everyone has a right so really you have to respect every single person and, and their views and their values and um you know actually listen to them and, and not <laughs> not be rude I guess not don't <laughs> yeah so that, I guess that's it I mean it's just yeah it's just brutal you, yeah. you literally have to you know make sure that you take the time to get to know people and um respect their values and who they are and, and how they've grown up their everything really and I think you know I, I always liken a, a broadcast crew a, a crew of journalists you know even in your you know, if you're if you're in an office, you the team you work with, you know, you guys are a team. And I, I've always mm -hmm. I've always felt as a as an athlete and now, you know, as a as a coach, that if you get to know as a coach, if you get to know your players on a personal level, and you know, people always warn me, don't get too close to close to the players because it's hard to cut them. It's like, well, it's actually not for, for in my view, because I if I if I know them, then I know that I can have a robust discussion with mm -hmm. them. But if yeah. I if I don't, then it's harder for me to do that. So, I feel like if if you want if you want to produce really good work in anything you do, if you want if you want to be successful, if you want you know you want to build capability in your team, you need to, as you just pointed out, you need to get to know them. You need to understand their values. You need to understand their you know where they come from and and why they why they are the way they are. And if you put in that time and you put in that effort as a team and as a manager or a coach you'll get the performances you want. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, 100% agree with that. I think yeah. you, you have to make sure that, yeah, you, you definitely take the time mm. and you learn about people and don't just be like, you know, what you see is what you get. I think everyone has something deeper to offer mm. um, and to, to find out that you don't know about them. Mm. Um and that's only with time, not when everyone's going to be like, hey, guess what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you didn't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and it also, it's about, you know, as a leader, about, you know, being vulnerable yourself. Because so, once you open that mm -hmm. sort of door and throw something out there, you know, that, that, that leaves you a little bit open, you know, that's where the, that trust comes from. And, and I think people, people can, can tell if you're disingenuous from a mile away. So... Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a yeah. It's about being vulnerable and then, yeah, opening up the door to say, hey, you know, I've just I've just bared bared a little portion of my soul. You you got anything in return? And sometimes that takes months. Sometimes it can take years to build that mm -hmm. to get to that point. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Put put the phone away and then <laughs> actually have a you know real conversation yeah. in flight mode for a little bit and then kind of get to know people. Yeah. Hundred percent, hundred percent. The other thing I wanted to to sort of to to get your um, view on as as someone in, you know involved in the in the football community and um, you know that's I saw a story about that uh, Katie Meyer, the the girl from from Stanford, who uh, she was a goalkeeper, right? As mm -hmm. well, yep. yeah, and yep. and you know, really successful young woman. Um, won a won a national championship with Stanford, you know, just just two years ago, I think, in, or three years ago in twenty nineteen. Yeah. Um, and you know, from from the outside looking in, you know, basically had the world at her feet and and had the rest of her life, um, you know, in front of her to to do whatever she wanted to do, whether it be in football or, you know, you you get an undergrad degree from Stanford, you can kind of do whatever you want. Um, no, yeah, you can do whatever. Yeah, yeah, and. And you know to see that story where she was just found in her 
found alone in her room. Um, you know, she'd passed away. It was it's it just a such a sad story. And I, I guess I just wanted to get, you know, some some of your thoughts given, you know, some of the conversation we'd had previously about, you know, mental health. And you obviously don't want to speculate, but but um it you know, all all of the stuff I've read has certainly alluded to she was having some some struggles with her mental health given all the time she's spending away from her family and and lockdown and 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 all of that. So I just thought, yeah, I thought I'd see if I could get some of your thoughts on on that. Yeah, I mean, it's it rocked the whole women's football world mm. um, from you know, especially in America, but um, people that have gone to college, uh, everyone that's in women's football, I think in football as well, and then women's sport. Um, you know, it, it, mental health is such a, uh, gosh, it's such a sensitive thing. Mm. Um, and it's like, the, it's a silent and hidden, um, I guess just, uh, I don't even know what you would call it, burden mm. that I think so many like athletes carry. I mean, you look at, I guess, even Naomi Osaka the other week um, when people were yelling out in the crowd and, you know, she just was thinking about it the whole time and got anxiety over it. I mean, it's, you know, we're all human, especially athletes. It's kind of like our outlet is sport. And then when you aren't able to do that, then, it, you know, things just build up. And it's actually, it's so sad. It, but I guess it highlights, you know, how important, you know, maybe even more important your mental health is, is more than your physical health. Um, and I know that... NWL worked really hard. Now they have like a, a six-week um, paid leave if you actually need to, you know, have time off and yeah. and get help. Um, but yeah, it's just really knowing. I think, yeah, like you said, it put the phone down, yeah. get to know people, yeah, um, and just hope that you know they can open up and and you know get help if they actually need it. Because I think you know, and and I, I've been around enough enough locker rooms now that I I, I can. I think I can generally recognize when someone's struggling and it, and it's, it's always in my, it, to me, it's always very subtle. It's always, you know, it's always things like someone cracks a joke in the locker room and they don't laugh. And then that, that sort mm-hmm. of, that's like, to me, that's like the first trigger. It's like, Oh, okay. And then it's like, you know, the team's going out, we're going to go have dinner or we're going to go have breakfast after this lifting session. And they're like, Oh no, I got to I got to go. And then that happens a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And, so it's always really, really subtle things, but if you're paying attention, I think, I think you can you can actually you can actually catch it and see it. And and you know, this happened to me towards the end of my career. I, I sort of noticed it, and I just sat down next to the guy and I said, "Hey, man, you know, you doing all right?" And he just started crying because it, it was it, it was the first yeah. time that anyone had asked him that question. Um, and so it. it it is a really, it, as you say, it's a, it's a silent burden because people feel like they can't, you know, it, it's almost like it's like they're looking at it through this lens. Like I've I've got all I've had all this success. I've you know I'm, I'm a star athlete and people love me and you know I've won all these championships and and I should be happy but I'm not happy and I don't know why I'm not happy and and so you get into this negative like loop about you know i'm ungrateful or you know what whatever whatever it is and and you know mm-hmm. if you do that for long enough um yeah you can 
totally lose sight of 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 who you are and and what you're trying to do and and you know the the sad reality is is that sometimes it all becomes too much mm-hmm. yeah I, it's kind of like i guess when you have an injury like a small injury and you don't really want to tell anyone <laughs> just in case you yeah. know you lose your position or you know you're not going to play or you need to have you know two weeks off or whatever it is you kind of just like deal with it and i think yeah, mental health is a little bit like that because, you know, to be honest, there's only that many people that have the qualifications to deal with it. Yeah. Um, with physical things, you can see it and be like, okay, rest. But, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, coaches or other people, other um, even just your friends, like they don't really understand what you're going through. Mm. So sometimes that's the hard part to really kind of, break it down and um yeah that's it's just so hard i think to bear sometimes for for some people and yeah just even asking people if they're okay i think that's the most important thing especially mm. in teammates and team situations you know them better than you know their their own family sometimes <laughs> yeah 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 and and you know it's yeah it's just such a it's such a hard thing and and i've seen i've seen it happen to where you know a, a player will express maybe a, a small part of what they're going through to their coach and the coach will not dismiss it but go oh we'll go see the sports psych so mm-hmm. you, you're kind of attaching that negative connotation saying oh well there's something wrong with you i can't deal with it you need to go and and deal with that and and you know i, I i've been i've spent a lot i've spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to um you know, include those conversations, you know, I guess we, 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 talk, we talk about them as mental skills, you know, include mm-hmm. those sort of conversations as part of the, the regular, you know, the regular rigmarole of training, you know, so you do your, you know, you, you lift, you do your, your skills, you do your, your, your conditioning work, but then you also do some mental skills work. And, and you know, we, we have a guy that we work with at, at, at the University of Canberra. We were lucky the program was embedded there and he was, he was around. So he sort of put his hand up to do it. Um, but you know, it's, it's, I guess it's the, the goal. It was not necessarily to, to, to build mental skills. It was to normalize talking about some of the things that we were going through in our, in our day to day lives. So hopefully that's, that's helped some of, some of the athletes. Um, but yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, it's a really underrated area in performance um, is to think about the mental because I think, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's such a huge part of what you have to do as an athlete. You know, sometimes there's, and and I'm sure you've been through it. There's days where you just don't want to, you don't want to get up, you don't want to, you don't want to go to training or you don't want to play because. Oh you've, yeah. <laughs> you You're know. just like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yep, hundred <laughs> percent. So to kind of normalize and and uh, you know normalize that feeling. And, and be able to express it and talk about it and sort of understand why because there's always a why right you it's never mm-hmm. it's never really that you just woke up and you feel this way you you're always kind of there's always kind of a lead in there's always you know some stuff that's happened or or some you know whether it's you know you're not performing well or you know you, you're not comfortable with with your strength and conditioning co- you know what, whatever it is there's always you know a bunch of things that sort of lead up to that feeling. So being able to normalize that, I think, in particularly in in college sports, where the 
you know, where you're, you're exclusively dealing with young athletes and some might not be ready for the spotlight. Um, you know, I think that'll, yeah. that'll go a long way in, in, you know, helping performance, but also sort of just to help normalise and understand that, you know, you're allowed to feel shitty some days. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's so funny, like, when people, like, first start, like, they'd play it, the sport, because they just love it so much. They love everything about it. Mm. Like, almost just, like, learning all these new skills. And then in the peak of it, you're... I guess you're trying to maintain how you continue that with those improvements as well, with Mm. the dips and kind of pulling yourself back up. And then I feel like when you kind of like go down to, you know, you're going to be retiring soon or whatever it is, you kind of want to go back to where you loved it again. Yeah. 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 And all that kind of pressure, like, is just like, Oh, I'm done with that. Like, it's just so freeing and, Mm. you know, um, I guess you just want to be like, I want to be a kid again where it's, I'm having so much fun and literally, you know, going back to the bare bones of things. And I think that kind of middle part is, is the hardest part of yeah. all athletes. I to- I completely, completely agree with that. And, you know, the sad thing is that in that middle part, you can lose that love and it is hard to, it is actually hard mm-hmm. to, once you lose it, it's really hard to find it again. You actually need, as you say, you need to go back to where you started and figure out, why did I actually fall in love with this game again? <laughs> oh yeah. That's a hard question too. Like yeah. to ask yourself sometimes. You're yeah. like, why am I why am I doing this again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, especially after, you know, and and we've all been there. We've all had those seasons where you just feel like nothing goes right, either individually or or as part of a team. And you know, you kind of get to the end of that year and you go, well, like, do I really want to go through this again? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, reach into the choir. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but look, I you know, I I think you know, I yeah, I think if there if there is anyone listening who is struggling, please reach out to us. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I guess that's one 100%. of that's one of the things we can we can offer uh, as part of you know as part of this this podcast and as part of this this media group you know there are some cool people who have lots of experience in in what you're going through so if if you do if you do feel like you you can't reach out to anyone send us a dm send us an email and and i promise you one of us will get back to you i've just signed you up for some counseling lydia sorry uh, no, that's fine. That's fine. I don't mind that. I, I like asking how people are and, and yeah. making sure they're okay. So you're good. Um, <laughs> Just add, adding to my day. Adding, yeah, adding <laughs> adding more to to your. your <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I guess mo- moving moving on a little bit, and you know, you know, I guess this next this next athlete, you know, he he's an he's probably an interesting case case study in, in some of this mental health stuff because he, he's talked about it a little bit. You know, Nick Nick Kyrgios, um, you know, in the in the media again. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty funny, <laughs> to be honest, to sort of, you know, to call I out. Mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll get your take first and then I'll I, jump I in. didn't mind it at yeah. all. It's Nick. I'm yeah. like, I don't expect anything less from him anymore. <laughs> You know, to and and I kind of it doesn't in, even surprise me. No, and I kind of enjoyed it, like you know, calling out a crowd member, 
is always funny to start with. <laughs> in the in the middle of you know in the middle of a of, of a service game and then to turn around and point to Ben, ben Stiller and be like do I give this dude acting tips no shut the hell up <laughs> <laughs> honestly that's literally like if you were like in line at like a coffee shop and be like you know did you order that no that's my drink <laughs> yeah, like yeah. You, you as the other person would be like I didn't even say anything <laughs> <laughs> and that was I think that was the funniest bit. He still had just sat there like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> I thought, he's like, I'm in the VIP. I don't even know what's happening right now. <laughs> uh, and, and like, and you know, Nick is, he's, uh, I get, and I understand why he's polarizing. I really like him um, just because he is himself. He is unapologetically himself. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. You know, and and look, I'm not a tennis expert, so I'm not going to sit here and and talk about his technique and, and anything like that. But I appreciate that you know he probably he probably does have some untapped potential, and he he probably is you know a better tennis player than than he than he is now. But I think you know he you know he's openly said tennis is my job, basketball is what I love. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, I, I have to respect a man who's that self aware. <laughs> Yeah, literally. I think he's just, yeah, like you said, he's so unapologetically himself. But, mm. like, I mean, he's showman. Like, he's just a showman. He goes out there and, you know, he he doesn't, he knows that if he let the weight of everything around him, like, take too much, it would crumble him. So he just, like, is like, you know what, you know, talks back at the crowd. Yeah. He has fun on the court. He just... You know, you can you can see that he knows himself, like you know, mental health wise. That like, if he allowed himself to, yeah, to kind of to read it all, everything, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, I I, I like him. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's just he's just crazy. Like honestly, he just makes it just so entertaining because everyone's like, "What's he gonna do next?" <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I watched like I watched the doubles him and Thanos Kokonakis. Oh it was yeah, so much fun. Like he he him and in Thanos Kokonakis they. They made people care about doubles tennis. Like, mm-hmm. no one's ever cared about doubles tennis. No. <laughs> and, I mean, I might be a little bit biased, but, like, being at, like, football matches, like, where people can, like, yell and stuff, yeah. and then being at tennis where it's, like, you know, he, he almost brings back the, like, like he brings, like, hooligan, like, yeah. behavior back yeah. in, into tennis. But it's kind which, of like, for it was, me, yeah. It's kind of like the happy, like, happy Gilmore thing, right? Like the, you know, <laughs> come on, let's hear you. Let's go. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, literally. Speaking of golf, happy Gilmore, Cam Smith, another guy who is unapologetically himself. He's such a, you know, he plays with a mullet. Like he's such an, such an Australian, like he won, you know, he won a huge tournament last year and they said, oh, what are you going to do with the money? He's like, oh, I'll probably just buy a new fishing rod. Like... <laughs> Oh, no, he's literally just an an Australian bloke killing it yeah. in golf. I'm like, okay, yeah. And what's you- going on with the the Australians <laughs> right now? Australians are just like, yeah, Everywhere. you know what, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know, the, the, I'm like, the- we were in lockdown for two years. <laughs> yeah, now we're back. <laughs> yeah. You thought you thought you thought you got rid of us. <laughs> <laughs> we're open. We're open to the country again. Watch out. <laughs> Watch out, world. <laughs> But you know, like, like, you know, for him, you know, the the players' championship, it's the it's it's the fifth biggest men's golf tournament. It's it's not quite a major, but 
It it almost is. I think he took home three point six million dollars for winning that, which is just. Gosh, he's pro- what? How many rods he's going to buy with that? Probably like <laughs> maybe we'll buy a boat. Yeah, to go yeah, with to the go rod. with the rod. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, to me, that's just an ungodly amount of money. Like I, I you know, I, I can't, I, I literally can't fathom wait, like waking up one morning playing golf. And then that afternoon, there being that many zeros in my bank account, like it, oh, yeah. I, I just can't reconcile it in my head. Honestly, you just think about it, but then you're like, oh yeah, what about all the like twelve years of like <laughs> hard work? But yeah, then you're like literally, just wake up and that's, yeah, you know, yeah, and reward you know, for your hard work. And you know, this is the thing. So the the other thing he gets is a three year um, major exemption, so he can play in all the big big tournaments for oh, three wow. years, and he also gets a five year tour exemption. So no matter how poorly the next five years goes, he's got a seat. You know, he's got a he's got a position on the PGA Tour. And I think, you know, as you just mentioned, there's b- before we get to winning major tournaments, there's there's twelve years of turmoil where you know you're you're driving from you know some you know, Bakersfield to some <laughs> shitty course in Ohio to, to to take home ten grand so you can pay for your yeah. pay for your flight to the next tournament. So. You know, Gosh, it's that's, that's so good though on him. Like honestly, like he and he's just like just a normal Australian bloke as well. It's yeah. just, and I, I think that you know uh, Americans, I, and I don't know if they're amused by us or they 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 are generally, you know they they generally like us. But the the media just seems to eat up these Australian guys. You know they ask them mm-hmm. questions and they give the quintessential Australian answer and. They just love it, and I I don't really understand. I, and as I said, I don't know if they just think we're we're funny with that, that we're amusing. Oh, or... I think it is. <laughs> the amount of times I go over there and I just say no, and then they're like, ah, oh, no, and then try and say it, and then that was it for like ten minutes. They'd yeah. be trying to say no. <laughs> like okay, you guys speak funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We don't say shrimp. We say prawn. <laughs> Aha, prawn. <laughs> oh dear. And and look, you know, I think the other thing really special for Cam is he did it in front of his family, who he hasn't seen for two years. He obviously hasn't been able to get home. They haven't been able to get across to see him. So to do that, you know, after two years of not seeing your family, and to do to to play as well as he did in that final round in front of his in front of his near and dear is. Pretty special, pretty special moment. Oh, that's the magic ticket right there. Yeah. When yeah. as soon as your family and friends come, it's something else. Yeah, and, and it, you know, I, I can certainly speak to to my experience playing overseas. You know, when my dad would come and watch me, I, I felt like I'd grow an, an extra, an extra arm and an extra leg because you just get that oh, boost. Yeah. It's like being a kid again. <laughs> oh yeah, and when you hear just your parents in the crowd <laughs> yelling at you to do <laughs> the best you can. My mum, honestly, because being a goalkeeper, all yeah. I hear was gasps. So I was like, ball would come near and she'll go, I'm like, okay, (laughs) not okay. (laughs) My dad used to, um, you know, we we always had this thing about not walking. So he'd be like, don't walk on the field, like just, you know, (laughs) jog. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, like even, even at the back end of my career and he was nowhere to be seen, you know, I was playing overseas and I'd go to walk and I'd hear him like in the back of my head, like, don't walk. I'm like oh God, sorry. And it would always be, he'd always, he'd never say my name. He'd call the number. So I used to either wear number one or number three. So he'd be like, three, don't walk. I'm like, oh. 
<laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh dear. I don't oh. know what's worse, the that or the, oh, the gasping. gasping. <laughs> yeah. All right, Lid. Thank you, thank you so much again for for today. I, I really enjoyed this one. I think it was. You know, it's always good to see a bunch of Australians doing well overseas, and and um, it's obviously good to see see you guys are, are still playing good football, and and um, you know we're getting to the pointy end of the season now, so hopefully, hopefully we can, we'll see you on the on the top of the standings when the season finishes. Yeah, fingers crossed. Got some Champions League this week as well, so that'll be some good ones as to to watch. Yeah, yeah. So if you can, if you can, listeners. Uh, just it, just Google the FA Women's Super League or they've got a really awesome uh, Instagram page with a lot of information and that'll give you everything you need to know to be able to watch um, to watch Lid Lid play, uh, you know, for the back end of the season. So the Champions League fixtures and the Women's Super League fixtures. So get on, do that because it's, you know, like I was saying with the NRLW, it's, actually, it's awesome to watch. Don't. Perfect. Yeah. Done. All right. Thanks, Lydia. We'll, we'll see you in another month or so. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for having me again. Loved it as always. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Awesome. Thanks again, Lyd. Always good to talk to you. Um, and, yeah, look forward to doing it again. Lyd's going to check in with us again in, in another couple of weeks. If you get an opportunity, make sure you get down to GIO Stadium or Canberra Stadium, Bruce Stadium, depending on how old you are. Uh, the Matildas are going to play there in a couple of weeks' time. I think they play. I think it's the twelfth of April, twelfth or thirteenth of April. It's a Tuesday night or Wednesday night game. Uh, you can see Lydia in action. You know Sam Kerr, see uh, Ellie Carpenter. You know all, all those all those girls will be will be happy happy to see you. Happy to get a crowd there. So you know let's get down there and support them. First time the Matildas have played in Canberra for a really really long time. So it'll be really exciting. It'll be really good. And, you know, playing against New Zealand. We love to beat New Zealand. Of course we're going to beat New Zealand. So let's go Let's go there and watch them beat down on the Kiwis. We're not going to beat them in rugby, so we might as well beat them in, in football, yeah? <laughs> we're not going to beat them in rugby in the, in the men's or the women, to be fair. But we do, we do often beat them in football. So please, buy a ticket. I don't have, I don't have discounts. I don't believe in that. Let's... Get down, let's support the girls. Let's get a big crowd down there. Let's be raucous. Let's be loud. Let's have some fun. Singing. Bring your Vuvuzelas. We'll do whatever you gotta do. All right. Thank you again. Cover Podcast Network. Cover.com.au. Please go. Have a look. Click on some ads, because that's how they make money. <laughs> that's how they fund everything that we're doing there. Click on some ads. Riverside's got a link up there whole bunch of ads through the Google Google AdSense network. So just click on something or just look at them. The more you look at them, the more money we get. So make sure you do that. And I will see all of you. I won't see you. You'll see me. But I'll talk to you all again in a week's time. Another cool guest coming up next week. She, dual sport athlete, um, you know, has sort of been at, at the pinnacle or close to the pinnacle of both those sports. And, you know, unfortunately for her, with both the sports, uh, was really kind of a trailblazer in the early days before before uh, professionalism 
quite caught up in the two sports. So she, she, she's got really interesting story, really interesting insights into into some of the the strengths and weaknesses of the current setups and and, and current challenges facing a, a game like rugby, who's you know really behind the eight ball in terms of um, the professionalism in in the women's game. So make sure you tune in to that. But otherwise, have yourselves an awesome an awesome couple of weeks. I do sorry, I do want to address one thing quickly in the in the podcast that you might have heard. Honestly, if anyone is really struggling with anything, reach out, DM me. DM Lydia, DM the cover, DM DM the the podcast page, whatever you got to do, give them Liam, at give them Liam, because I think it's really important. You know, I I appreciate sometimes you feel like you can't reach out to people around you, or you feel like they're not going to understand. I promise you they will, but if you feel like that, reach out because you know we we we've got a huge you know wealth of people in in our network and and throughout you know our 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 web our web of people uh, that can that they've all probably gone through what what you're going through or or some version of, of what you're going through so one they can relate and two you know they can be there to 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 kind of help and and work you through it so please reach out don't feel don't feel like you you're burdening us um, because I think you know as content creators as as people in the media that's kind of one thing that we can do we we do have a platform so. To be able to call out and offer some support, I think it's the least we can do. So, please do it if you can. Uh, you know, last resort, whatever, whatever it is, please reach out. All right, that's all from me. I'll see you next week. Subscribe to this this podcast wherever you get them. YouTube's good. Spotify, Apple. Uh, there's there's tons of them, but. Subscribe to it. Subscribe to the newsletter. As I said, we'll see you next week with another really cool conversation. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. And buy some damn tickets to watch the Matildas, all right? Do it. All right. Thanks all. See you later.